Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have a special guest, Will Mansour. Will, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, John. Appreciate being here. Absolute pleasure, man. I am been so stoked for this all week so like this is like in a way it's like a blast from the past right because you started off in this office and uh you know you moved on which we'll get into that um yeah so why don't we start off with uh, a little introduction of who you are uh what yeah. you do and how you got there yeah so um basically been in the business since 2004 started in this office uh which is kind of cool coming back here and uh a uh, couple guys in this office who are still in this office actually got me in the business, uh, Gary Singh and Emilio Espinoza. And uh, I still talk to those guys to this day. Made a lot of friends here. As I came in here, I, I, you know, I told Catherine last night I was coming in, so it was great to catch up with her. But, uh, yeah, I love this place. This is a great spot. I never really came into the office. Um, I just kind of would come in and pick up, you know, checks and mail and shake hands and kiss babies with everybody here. Don't forget, this office was another office before it was this office, right? So that's when I was here. And then when they when they upgraded, I was here again. So pretty cool. But uh, uh, yeah, and then the transition for me, um, I got into mentorship and coaching and all kinds of other stuff back in 2010 uh, and helped a lot of people in this office uh, for free. And I uh, was going to start a team here, actually. And Chris and Jeff approached me with Jim and was going to start a big team. And uh, and then I got introduced to something else, which is where I am today. And I don't know if we want to talk about that in my old office. It's kind of weird. But yeah, I, I, I ended up in 2020, uh, February, switching over. So yeah, yeah, I have no shame in that. So I don't mind yeah. saying the fact that you moved over to EXP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, EXP's got some interesting, uh, let's say, stereotypes associated with it. Uh, everyone thinks it's a recruiting model, and and it is for some people, but it's not for me. Uh, my my main goal is to distribute value and help the people that are with me do deals, right? And so I don't really care about agent attraction. I do have a group of over 100 agents, but I don't necessarily pick up the phone and call agents to try to get them to come to work with me. I don't do that. So I'd rather have 100 generals and 1,000 duds. That's the way I work. And I want to work with, with producers, right? So not to say that I don't work with new agents because we do have a new agent program, which is great. I love helping new agents. Nothing more rewarding than seeing somebody do their first deal and you were a part of that process, right? And it happens a lot, so it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got a point there, right? Because uh, like everything, and it's not just with clients, even your colleagues and fellow workers, mm -hmm. the people you work with, really makes the difference in this business, right? It's not what people think. I mean, like the, the stereotype is you go out there, everyone sees a realtor, they see them with this new BMW or Mercedes. Nobody realizes that they're paying $4.99 a month for it on a lease. And uh, everyone thinks that, you know, we're all uh, making fortunes, putting uh, signs in the lot, uh, yeah. going to, um, you know, Miami for margaritas and uh, <laughs> collecting the money and yeah. stuff like that. And that's, that's the perception we have, which is a false perception. Yeah. But it's like everything. Culture is everything. Oh, and yeah. that that is usually the people you work with. And I find that the more you work with people, the more, you know, you work in uh, cohesion yes. and work together. Collaboration. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The better off you are. Yeah. And there's too many people out there that see each other's competition and not as, uh, you know, working partners. Let me sum it up to you this way. Like in the big box brokerages, and I worked in this one for a long time, and I love this place. There's 
I, I have a sports background. I talk about this a lot. You either play for the name on the front or you play for the name on the back, right? And if you play for the name on the back, you're playing for yourself. If you play for the name on the front, you're collaborating and playing with other people, right? That's a team yeah. environment. So the way I see it is where I work now is more collaboration. Nobody, it's nobody's clients or anyone else's clients. And we're all in it to win. I'm not in competition with you because I want you to succeed, right? Whereas I find in these types of offices, and not all, some some cultures are different, but in generally in, in bigger offices, you don't get as much collaboration. So when I moved over, the thing that there's two things I wanted to establish. The three C's is one, which is coaching, collaboration, and culture. And the other one is I want to help people get to where I got to in five years in 12 months, right? So and how am I going to do that? So there was a lot of work in the back end and a lot of, you know, I disappeared for a couple months because I just wanted to get everything done and structured and get the workflows and the standard operating procedures in place so that if somebody came over to me, it was all there for them. The tools were there. Now, you and I both know I can give you a set of tools and I can give somebody else a set of tools and you can turn those tools into a million dollars of GCI and the other person can turn it into 50,000, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. And the problem I find when you don't have that collaboration culture, there's no accountability to succeed. And I talk to agents all the time and they're like, oh, I have nothing going on. I'm, I'm not getting any deals. I don't have any clients. And the problem is, is it's not that they're not motivated. It's that they lack discipline. And those are two big differences, right? I'm not motivated. No, you're not disciplined. Here's, you got the same tools as I got, except I'm disciplined and structured and you're not. So how do we make you more disciplined, right? So that you can scale up your business. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So that was a... <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah. That, was, that was very useful information. That, yeah. You know, that's, that's a point that people never touch upon. Yeah. So now you said that you, where you were from year zero and year five um, is probably different than what most people expect. Yeah. But uh, clearly you uh, succeeded. So what was the process like? What did your first year look like, and what did your fifth year look like, and how did you, you know, how did you basically progress from that? Yeah. So my first year was here, and um, I did fifteen transactions in my first year, and I remember uh, it's the only. I think I went to two award ceremonies. And the first one, uh, David Hume, who was the broker of record here, um, uh, he actually gave me my, I think I was a president's gold award winner. Uh, anyways, I don't even know what they, those things stand for, but he said I was the highest grossing rookie to that date. Now this was a bunch of years ago, almost 20 now. So, but it was kind of neat because I was like, oh really? I had no idea. I was, my whole business is built on repeat, referral, and sphere, right? And and so year one was 15 transactions. And what was interesting is I would keep track, and I still do, I'm a little old school with that. I, I use a CRM, but I do have a spreadsheet that I work on because I wanna know where all my, my ends are coming from, whether it's sphere, whether it's a person who's referring me in my sphere, or it's an MLS call an open house, like there's all kinds of different buckets of prospecting that you got to work on that you're going to get deals from if you're disciplined. And so, <laughs> so year five, I was doing four times that, right? But 
which is which is might sound impressive. And you know, obviously, I have I had the same type of business like everybody else, which was you know yo-yo cycles where you're you know crushing it and then you get paid nothing. I actually just recorded a YouTube on this how you need to have different types of prospecting buckets to make sure you're not running in that yo-yo hamster wheel of real estate where you know you make 50 grand one month and you don't make anything for two months right? Like how, or you have an expensive car and you can't afford to put gas in it because you mm-hmm. can't manage your money properly, right? Yeah. That's a big thing. Finances are huge. Massive. In business. Yeah. And I think a lot of agents who don't have business acumen, don't know how to manage their money. They get these big checks and they end up spending them before they even get them. Right? Yeah. I've had agents call me and say, I just did my taxes and I owe this much in HST and this much in taxes. And I'm like, yeah, you collected it. Where is it? I spent it. What do you mean you spent it? Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, better refinance your house and get a line of credit to pay the government. Like, that's not wise. Don't ever do that if you're listening. But, but yeah, like uh, year five was, uh, was good. And then you start to grow and develop as an agent and a person and you have experience. And just like the two guys that brought me into the business, I leaned on them for years, people started leaning on me. And I always remember, like, I'll never forget what those guys did for me. They helped me out a lot, and uh, Gary mostly. But at the end of the day, I, I've now remembered that, and I'm using it, and I'm giving it back today to people, right? It was something that stuck with me. Actually, I'll tell you about my first ever transaction. I was in this office working. I used to have an office in here. And uh, it was, I think, my first or second day. Right, right. Gary knocks on my door at five o'clock and he's like, hey, what's up? He goes, uh, I need you to go present an offer for me in Brampton. I said, what? Like, I have not like done any real estate. Like I just licensed in the door green. He goes, I'll write up the whole offer for you. I'll give it to you. You have to go get it signed. I don't even know the, who the buyers were. I'm sitting in my car. It looks like an HGTV show. And, uh, you know, and I'm sitting there. We never got the deal, but he, I got put into the fire on day two of my career and got to experience that. And the rest is history. So that was a huge experience for me. Well, ironically, uh, when I got to this office, I was considering a couple. Yeah. I, and what ended up happening was that, uh, ironically, Emilio Espinosa yeah. was the one that I had the number two. I was, uh, I got his number from a friend. We had a mutual friend and he says, hey, Emilio works at, uh, you know, yeah. R- uh, Rolla Page out in Mississauga. And I thought, which one? I figured out it was this one. And this is one of the ones I was considering. So I called him <laughs> right away. I, you know, like I was just about ready to sign. I had just about decided. Oh, but yeah. before I put that ink down, I wanted an extra opinion. I had a conversation with him. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up here because after oh, yeah. that conversation, it was great. Like I got here, I signed up. I mean, very first day here, we went to lunch and he sort of gave me the rundown of everything and uh, gave me some suggestions Ugh. and tips. It was, uh, yeah, and I found people in this office to be very helpful. And I anyway, agree. Yeah, so yeah. that's one of the things I like yeah. about this. Yeah. Now, anyone who knows me knows I've uh, done my rounds. I've yeah. tried other things. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I always end up back here for a reason. Mm-hmm. I, and let, let's hope I'm not moving <laughs> again. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. No, this this office is great for that. And honestly, like I had when I when I was uh, here with Chris and Jeff and, and Jim and we were in boardroom three, I think, across the hall and we were talking about it. Um, I was actually really excited, but I didn't really know anything about EXP. I didn't even know it existed. And the way I got into EXP, my sponsor, I actually 
saw one of his posts on Instagram about coaching. And I was like, what's this all about? So I sent him a DM. He's in Calgary. And we talked for about three months, but he never brought up EXP. And in January, he brought it up to me. He said, let's jump on a call. I want to show you something. It'll take 20 minutes. So he'd already built rapport, like, and trust with me. He was a good guy. And he's a brother from another mother now. And kind of kind of funny how it all worked out because I, I connected with him on Instagram. And he's in Calgary. The guy stayed at my house multiple nights. And, you know, I've been to Vegas with him. And, you know, he's in another province. So... Um, anyways, the thing that really excited me about EXP's model over what I was doing here that was exciting was when I, I, I had the fear, and I'm sure a lot of team leaders do, that you're going to invest all this time and money into people and you're going to make them, you're going to give them five years in 12 months and they're going to walk away because they're not going to, why am I paying you anymore? You've made me into this agent in person. Um, why am I giving you 25% of everything I make? And that was kind of like one of the things I was kind of nervous about, about starting this, this super team here. But with EXP, it doesn't work that way because the company pays you when people do deals. So for me, it was like, I can invest in people. I can make them better people and better agents and they won't leave. And they're not paying me anything. The company does out of the 20% the company takes, I get paid. I'm like, this is a win. And I've had very low uh, turnover. My retention is over 96%. Wow. In three years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible, right? Like, and again, there's different models for different people. And it's a matter of what fits for you. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not for everybody. Some people need the office environment. They need the water cooler. Um, we, all of our stuff is online. You can't even make a deposit unless it goes through the app, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can do wires and all that other stuff, but it's more, I find, innovative and efficient use of time, right? Like we used to have sales meetings here and I'd have to drive from my house to Mississauga, go to the meeting, you know, you chit chat, you have your coffee, then you have your, your intelligence session, as I call them, and then you chit chat again, then you go home. There's four hours of my day. Whereas we have our meta universe where I log in on my computer and I'm in an auditorium and the sales meeting happens at 10 and it hard stops at 11 and I go back to doing whatever I want to do. So I've saved all my time because as you know, John, time is our most precious asset. And so the way I got my time back, I've got so much time back by this brokerage allows me to automate a lot of things. And listen, I'm not saying other brokerages don't. But for me, like you said, this brokerage allows me to automate and get my time back. Which 100%, suit. I get yeah. that. And, and, and there you go. That's the other point I want to touch upon, right? Like it's, like you said, time is a key component in life. Too many times that we see people out there trading time for money. Yeah, exactly. And that is such a limitation. I agree. And we get uh, told growing up, you know, go to school, get a good education so you can get a good job, so you can save for retirement, you can uh, yeah. you know, get your white picket fence, yeah. you can take care of your family and retire, and then uh, you can do whatever you want. Now, what ends up happening is most times, I mean, like people who are younger, look at your parents, uh, there's a lot of them, or look at your grandparents <laughs> that are limping around. And let me ask you, with them limping around and barely moving, yeah. what vacation will they enjoy? 
And I'm not saying that life is over. That's not what I mean. But the point I'm getting at is the experience you have as a 30-year-old, a 20-year-old, or a 40-year-old when you're enjoying life and using your time is going to be a lot different than the experience you have at 70 years old. Oh, one of my mentors I have to this day, um, she's a great lady. She's been Canada's chef de mission for the Olympics. Uh, She's an older, she's retired, and uh, she gave me this advice like 20 years ago. Uh, she said, the first 50 years of your life, you take for granted, you do whatever you want, you have fun. The second 50 years of your life is hard work, right? And I, I, that resonated with me. I was like, you know, when she told me at the time, I'm 50 next year. So I was, I, I was around 30 years old. Um, but now I'm almost 50. And I actually, unfortunately, a good friend of mine in the mortgage industry uh, died suddenly two months ago, and he was 51. He was in my house on Wednesday. He was gone on Saturday. Heart failure. And uh, it just, it opens your eyes. And, you know, as, as you said, as you get older, we're not going any more weddings, John. We're going to funerals, right? And it, it's, it's you've got to make sure that you use your time efficiently, right? It's the most important asset. And I find that a lot of people in our business are busy being busy. They're not busy being productive, Right. 100%. Now I'm going to tell you something scary. Yeah. 50% of the people that I grew up with mm. are no longer here. Wow. There must have been something in the water. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Because that's... Where abnormal. did you grow up? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> not to learn anybody south of Tobacco. <laughs> I know quite a few people there too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, the point is it was an eye opener. Yeah. And even about, I think it was... Uh, a year ago Christmas, not last Christmas, but the one before. Yeah. Um, when we were still in uh, that COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what ended up happening is that I don't know how or why well, at the time I didn't. Yeah. I started seeing three of everything. Like if I were to look at you, there'd be really? three of you. Really? If I were in the Rocky movie, you know, your advice would be hit the one in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, and it was just really weird. So I thought maybe it was something, you know, I did or whatever. So I tried to sleep it off. Yeah. And I was going to just ignore it. I woke up the next day because I slept the whole day. I woke up. I started seeing one again. Sounds good, right? Sounds like I conquered it. Yeah. But now here's the truth. What ended up happening is I went outside to get my coffee. When I got into bright light, I saw back, uh, you know, I saw Three. threes again. Wow. And uh, call me crazy, but I drove to the coffee shop, even though I was seeing threes, yeah. and grabbed my coffee. And then I was talking to my brother, and he's like, you should go get us to check it out. And I'm like... You're a little paranoid, yeah. right? And I'm like, it's not that big of a deal because it's already half better. So anyways, what ended up happening is uh, around 3 p.m., I started thinking about it. And I, I went for lunch at uh, this place out in Grimsby at the time where I lived. Mm-hmm. And it was my normal spot. And I'm having nachos and stuff. And what ended up happening is that I started to feel weird. I started getting a headache on top of the uh, multi-view. And uh, then I thought, you know what? The hospital is like three blocks away. Maybe I should go in and get checked out, right? Maybe I had this uh, COVID that everybody talks about. Right. Right? Because I thought it's a possibility. I don't know what the symptoms are. I go, maybe I shouldn't have been out in the public. This is bad. Right. Right? Like, I didn't intend on this. Yeah. Um, So I walked into the hospital and I go, I've either got COVID or I got something else going on. I don't know what. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So they checked me and all that. I went through the machines twice. All the machines. They checked everything. And I couldn't figure out why. But when I went in the second time, I thought, okay, this can't be good. The reason yeah. I went in the second time is because of everything that was happening to me. They couldn't believe that the tests were correct. Really? Because they had no idea what it was. 
So they set me up with a neurologist to go figure out what it was. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's fine. I get up, put my jacket on. It goes, no, no, you can't go. I go, what? He goes, what? Wait a minute. The neurology appointment is not for two weeks. You keep me in the hospital for two weeks? I go, oh, this has got to be really bad. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Away. And he goes, no. He goes, but if we don't treat you now, you might not wake up tomorrow. Oh, boy. Right? So I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Right? So now I'm thinking to myself, thank God I listened to my brother. First yeah, I went yeah, through, yeah. you're paranoid, you're nuts, so what do I need this for? Yeah. So now thank God I went, right? Yeah, yeah. I found out it was just something else. Uh, my blood pressure was way out of whack. Yeah. Right? So it was to the point that uh, like they were scared to let me leave. Yeah. Right? But the point is, had I not gone in for that... I would have never figured out what the problem was. Yeah. Now, it turns out what it is, I had a cleaning lady in, and, uh, you know, they use the chemicals to clean. Yeah. And I'm stupid. I don't look at what I'm grabbing, and I don't know how. I grabbed the cleaning rag, and I wiped my eyes with it, so I basically poisoned myself. And oh. that's what it ended up making me see three. Now, that's why I went away. So by the time uh. I got to the neurologist, he goes, I don't find anything wrong with you. Right? So oh, I, my well, I figured out what it was. But luckily that happened. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have found the problem. But where I'm going with this is when you're facing that and you're talking to your doctor or the doctor. Yeah. And he's turning around saying, if you go home, you may not wake up tomorrow. Yeah. Mark my words. My life changed the very next day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, while we're on this topic, um, January 1st, I've done a lot of research online and read books. Um, you might have seen some of my social media posts. Uh, I'm, I've been strictly carnivore. And so what I, I like to do a lot of testing. So basically what I did January 1st to today, I'm in week 11 straight carnivore. Now I've, I've cheated a couple of nights and, you know, I've had a few drinks here and there, but for the most part, I just eat meat. I don't eat any veggies. I don't eat any carbs, no starches. And, uh, I went to my doctor who I've had for since I was six, I always go see him and I'm like, you're still working. Like, aren't you a hundred right now? Like he's <laughs> old, right? He's 70 something, but he's in great shape. And so, uh, he was very intrigued as well about what I was doing. And I w went there to see him because I needed a blood requisition. Cause I wanted, I could see what was going on on the outside, but I didn't know what was going on on the inside. So I wanted to know about all kinds of stuff. And so did he. And so since I've started carnivore, my, uh, like you, I was like borderline stage one hypertension. And uh, so my blood pressure was like 140 over 101. Uh, today it's 120 over 79. Uh, my resting heart rate went from 68 beats per minute to 57. Um, I have no more acid reflux, lost 24 pounds. And uh, I eat basically twice a day. And I don't need, I'm not hungry anymore. And it's funny because all I eat is ribeyes. And I have an, I use my air fryer. It takes me nine minutes to cook a ribeye. They taste amazing. I put grass-fed butter or ghee on top, and that's what I eat. I'll eat chicken as well, chicken wings and whatever, but I just eat meat. I don't eat anything. Now, my, my kryptonite is pizza, right? <laughs> yeah, I get that. Right? So, like, my kryptonite is pizza. So, like, every week, maybe Friday or every other Friday, I'll... I'll eat pizza and I'll eat as much of it as I want, right? Because you got to still enjoy your life. So I'm probably 80, 20 carnivore uh, for the rest, for the foreseeable future. I'm not veering from this. Um, the real challenge for me is going to be the summer months because, you know, I like to entertain and, you know, people are over at my house a lot and, and you know, there's, there's booze and, you know, <laughs> but that's going to be the challenge for me is, is uh, tempering that. Right. So, yeah. but like you said, 
you went, you got checked out. My blood requisition came back. The only, my cholesterol was amazing. I eat ribeyes every day. My cholesterol is amazing. And my, the only flag was um, vitamin D, which everyone's got because we're stuck inside all winter, right? There's yeah. no sunshine. So, That's true. Yeah. So pretty cool if you're interested in trying something like that. Yeah. Well, see, look, this is uh, the thing, right? Like mine was so bad. Mine was 250 over 150. Oh, wow. That's... That's why they were like, whoa. That's... You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. But anyways, so I'm trying something new as well. Yeah. Right? I, I have altered. Now, I tried this uh, a couple months ago, but I was still in my sister's house. Yeah. And um, it became difficult because everyone they're sitting there eating, and I'm like, well, I'm not yeah. eating that. I'm not eating that. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be moving out to my own place again because yeah. I sold my place, yeah. went to my sister's, found a new place, moved in. So I thought, when I move to my new place, I'll start my new thing again. Yeah. Right? So... Uh, what it is, I'm not exactly the same as yours. Yeah. Uh, but I got rid of carbs. I, yeah. I have carbs uh, once a week only. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, six days a week, it is uh, meats are okay. Uh, vegetables are okay. Yeah. I don't have too many fruits. Um, yeah. But uh, vegetables and meats are okay. Um, that's about it. No carbs whatsoever. I uh, Other than my coffee, I don't add sugar to anything. Yeah. And I avoid everything with sugar as much as I can. Yeah, sugar's a killer. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I've been trying. So, I've been... Uh, you know, I, I, it's only been like 11 days since I've been doing this. Like, doesn't matter. So. You started, man. That's the best thing you can do. And you know what's crazy is, like, like I said earlier, I test everything I do in my business and my personal life. I test everything. So I'm really curious. Like I'll eat carbs on purpose the night before just to see how it affected my blood sugar the next morning, right? Because I test every morning when I get up. And so that was one of the things I'm like, okay, now I know that if I have alcohol or I drink car or I have carbs the next day, my blood pressure is off. And that's the only reason why, right? So it's, it's actually, you know, I'm paying more attention to it. I feel a lot of people just kind of, they're, they get, it's too late for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's never too late, but it's too late. Like they, they could have been doing this. And again, I go back to what we we're talking about in business again. It's, everything in life man it all surrounds around discipline right like it's such an important thing discipline and consistency are two massive things for my life like and, and you know it keeps me accountable being like okay hey, I'm, I'm i'm not being disciplined right now i know i feel guilty because i'm not uh but as long as i know the next day i'm going to get back in, in like on the track i'm okay just don't fall off again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, and I agree with you here. Like, yeah. I mean, before I get into the next point, because you mentioned discipline. Yeah. Uh, what I want to say is that in terms of, uh, you know, you're right about the carbs thing as well and, and stuff like that. And because I found that the minute I started doing this consistently, yeah, I felt less sluggish. I found over the years, uh, I was, uh, as I got older... I got more tired. I got, uh, I couldn't last. I used to, I was the guy that used to go three days without sleeping. Oh, and wow. I'd be like this. What are yeah. we doing next? What are we doing next? What are really? we doing next? Right? Like, and all of a sudden, now it's like, I start off the morning and goes, yeah, yeah, let's get this stuff done. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm all excited. Yeah. And all of a sudden, um, you know, yeah, I'm going to work through the night. I'm going to get all this stuff done. I'll have everything done by the morning. 6 p.m. comes in. Yeah. Yeah. You crash, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, like, yeah. That's that, the carbs, yeah. right? And the sugar. It makes you crash. And that's what I was going at. Since I started this, right? Now, the first five days, it's sort of the, you don't feel much different. Yeah. After about five days, yeah. all of a sudden, that uh, 6 p.m. nap time became 9 p.m. 
9 p.m. and all of a sudden it's midnight. I'm going, well, I get up at 5 in the morning and yeah. I can't go to bed again. Right? Yeah. I'm wide awake. Like, oh, what yeah. do I do now? So I'm like, yeah. the energy's coming back. Yeah. Now, some of it is aging. Let's be honest. There's nothing that I'm going to do yeah. that's going to make me 19 again. No. But no. at least I've done something that I can delay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get some years back in your life, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. going to the point is uh, every successful person has yeah. some form of discipline. Yeah. We don't start off that way, right. but we end up that way. Right. So I'm going to ask you about your like daily routine and what that kind of looks like. So to yeah. give an indication to anybody watching. Yeah. So my morning routine starts at five and um, it's a time block between five and seven. I'm, I'm active and doing stuff when other people are sleeping. I find it's a, it's a really productive time to do things. Uh, and, and it, it, I'm fulfilled after like 7 a.m., I'm fulfilled. So I had this talk with my group and our mastermind this week, how a lot of people, they prioritize their schedule instead of scheduling their priorities, right? And so what I always do is 5 a.m., get up. Uh, I have a Peloton. I have a gym in my house. I work out. Um, I read at least 10 pages every day. Every day I read at least 10 pages. Um, I have a sauna in my house, so I have an infrared sauna every morning. It, it just cleanses me out. Um, there's the science isn't a hundred percent on that, but I like it and it's good. Um, I haven't, I, one of the things I've, I've started doing is meditating cause I'm not really good at it. Um, meditation is more focused on, I guess, breathing and I'm not, I try to meditate in the, in the sauna, I'm stacking stuff. Um, and then, and then basically I drink, um, I, don't, I mean, I'm having a coffee here, but I have mushroom coffee every morning with bulletproof uh, MCT oil yeah. and ghee and uh, hand blend that up. That's my coffee. Tastes great. And I find that mushroom coffee, the stuff I do is, I think it's called everyday dose. Anyways, it's really good. There's mud water. There's all kinds of different things out there you could try. But after 7 a.m. and I'm and I also the night before... It's my, my routine starts the night before. I know what I'm doing the next day, the night before. That's in my evening routine. And then when I get up in the morning at my morning routine, I also review what I've got going on for the rest of that day. Usually every day I'm done by 11 o'clock. My day's done by 11. Now, I obviously have clients and buyers and sellers that I deal with in the evenings and during the day. And I'm also problem solving for the people in my group who have issues with clients and deals. So I have time, again, we talk about time being the most precious asset. I find I'm more successful time blocking these things and getting them done than flying by the seat of my pants. So that's part of my, every day my priorities are break a sweat, read 10 pages. It's almost like the 75 hard, but it's not. I'm not doing two workouts. <laughs> I'm not, I am on a strict diet, a carnivore. But I do have booze every so often. Not, not, I may have a drink here and a drink there. But that's my routine every day. Seven days a week, too. It's not just because the weekend comes. There's no breaks. And I find the discipline in that is it's a lifestyle change, right? It's the difference between a have and a want. Yeah. And so funny because I got caught out by my 15-year-old son the other day. And he's very athletic, hockey, whatever. And... Uh, I was actually, I said to him, oh man, I got to ride the bike. I haven't ridden the bike today. And he looks over to me, he goes, you have to want to ride the bike, dad. Not you have to ride the bike, which is, a, <laughs> and I was like, oh man, all right, see ya. And I went out and I rode the bike. So, but he's right. It, and that's a lot of things in business, especially with real estate, because I have to prospect. 
No, you want to prospect, right? That's the big difference. And a lot of, you know, we have a saying in our group, if you're not prospecting, you're unemployed. Real estate is not showing houses and, and doing deals because none of that stuff happens unless you prospect properly, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're not prospecting, you're unemployed. So you got to prospect. You brought up a good point here, right? Like, and this is one thing I've noticed, right? So many times that uh, a, lot, a lot of times people think it is the showing the house and stuff like that. But you know what? How many times are you going to go to a place and say, this is the kitchen, this is the granite counters, as if people have never seen that before. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like, it goes beyond. If that's all you're doing, yeah. there's nothing special about it. Yeah. Yeah. We call those transactional door openers. Yeah. 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 You're opening up the door. What do you think of the colors of the kitchen? Meanwhile, I'm looking at filtration soil on the carpet. I'm looking at the roof. I'm looking at the grading. I'm looking at everything. And, you know, it's funny because when we have new agents join our group, I always take them out and we see a bunch of houses and I point out to them, here's what you should be looking for with your buyers. Here's the grading. Here's the roof. This is how you know if the roof's new or if it's old. Stand on the driveway. Look at the roof next door. Look at one. Find a roof that's old and show them this one's old and this one's new. Like there's all kinds of stuff you can be going on with them. But you're right. It's it's real estate isn't about that. It's about prospecting. 100 percent and and the key component here is that you have a business everyone thinks it's a job it's not a job it's not what you do that is your business yeah and in business you have one job which is to generate more business right to build relationships right yeah you're building relationships through real estate whether if i sell you a house you're automatically now a referral source for me right 100%. But if I'm not putting fuel into you and keeping in touch with you, you're not, I'm not going to be top of mind for you, right? No. So a lot of people make the mistake is they, they take the client to the evolution of the sales process and the client closes on the house. And then what? You're not done with them. In my opinion, that's when the job starts because that whole evolution, you've got You've taken the time to build rapport, like, and trust with them and you, them with you. Now you've got this settled. It's time to go so that, you know, I always use this analogy of a tree. You know, every client's a, a, a seed. You know, once they close, they're, they're, they're growing. They're a tree. And every single person they refer you to is a branch. But those referrals are also going to be referrals and they're branches on branches. So the question becomes, how many trees do you got? And what are you doing to water them? Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And a lot of people don't do that. They they get busy being busy. And the problem is they don't have proper workflows and procedures in place so that they can automate their business so it does that. And they don't make calls. No. You know, it's very popular. People get their phones and say, ooh, look at the phone. It's ringing. Woo-hoo-hoo, yeah. It's got lights. Yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was uh, lucky enough, and uh, this is perks of being in the company, um, in my, the way our company's structured, we have a, a, my upline, the guys above me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in my, my upline is Glenn Sanford, our CEO and founder, and our co-founder, Brian Culhane. And because of those two guys, I'm able to be in rooms with other people. So I get invited to a little, a few events here, a few events there. When we go to Vegas, Brian's got a, a he always gets a, a, a villa. And he has a private party and there's only 50 of us invited. There's 5,000 people at the conference or six or something. And 50 of us get invited to this. So uh, two years ago, I was in the room. I think I counted something like 
$40 billion was in the room. Wow, yeah. And one of the guys I was hanging out with was Grant Cardone. Yeah, yeah. So I spent 45 minutes talking to GC. And GC said something to me. We've talked about a lot of stuff, kids and whatever. He's a multi-door investor. He's, he's crushing it. But he goes, I had, I had my phone ring. And, uh, and he looks and he looks at me, he goes, you going to answer that? I'm like, no, I don't need to answer that right now. And he goes, okay. He goes, you know, there's two types of phones, eh? And I'm like, there is, what's that? He goes, there's smartphones and there's dumb phones. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. He goes, is your phone smart or is it dumb? And I'm like, he goes, what are you using your phone for? Are you playing games on it? Are you th- scrolling social media and TikTok? Because if you are, and there's time for that, there's obviously your downtime, you do whatever the hell you want. That's a dumb phone, obviously, right? But your phone is your lifeline. Like you said, you're a, you're a business person. You're an entrepreneur. Your mindset is it should be entrepreneur. You should be using your phone for that purpose. So, but yeah. a lot of people don't like to make calls. Like No, yeah. and... And this is the thing, right? Like, it's like, I don't look at, like, like I'm reading a book right now and it's uh, Who Not How. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's so many true principles out there. Yeah. Everyone tries to do everything for themselves and, yeah. and wants, uh, you know, like they think they're going to conquer the world all by themselves like they're a king or something. Yeah. But a king of what if you're yeah. on your own? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? and, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. So I look at life and I go, okay, this is my objective. Yeah. This is what I want to do. So I don't look at how am I going to do it. I'm going to say, who's going to get me there? Who's got my money? Yeah. Right? yeah. And, that, and, and that's the way I look at it. So who's got my money? I got to find that, and I'm going to go get that. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the money's in their pocket. No, no. But they're going to be yeah. able to do what I need to do and get me to the next level so that the money will come yeah. from that effort. The, the problem is, I find, is that a lot of people have great ambitions and they don't have the roadmap to get there. The other thing is some people have the roadmap, but they're not good at pivoting. No. Right. And you always got to be pivoting because things are always changing. So, you know, your market changes, the interest rates change, your clients' mindsets change, and you got to be able to change and pivot with those things. Right. So, you know, it's great to, you know, take goal setting for an example, how many people write down, you know, all the goals they want to achieve from for the year. Do you do you review those goals? Do you write them down? Do you record them and listen to them in your car? Do you have a plan to get from A to Z, right? Like, it's great that you have all these goals, but again, you have no discipline. It all comes back to discipline. <laughs> yeah. It really does when you think about it, right? Like how many, I, I'm guilty. How many times have you set a goal and you never achieved it? right? You set it in January or December or November the previous year. And all of a sudden it's July and you've done nothing to towards the attainment of that goal because you're not disciplined. So I always say like, it's time to get disciplined. And, you know, we're talking a little bit about making calls. You know, a lot of agents hate making calls. They don't like to make the calls. And I think the best, we talked about this Wednesday on our mastermind, the best way to is to get yourself into state to make the calls. You got to be in a specific state to make calls. You can't just say schedule and say, I'm going to make calls tomorrow at 10 in the morning. That's not going to work because you might not be in state, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to be in a mood to make calls. The only thing that's really important that people forget is the first five seconds of every call, that is the threshold to make it or break it with that person. 
right? If you are not getting their attention, if you don't have enthusiasm, you know, and the, you know, if you're asking, is, is John home? <laughs> That's not, Hey John, it's Will. How are you? You know, ask questions. Like I always end with a question tone, like your tonality yeah. in the call is massive. I think we call that open-ended questions. Yeah, but a hundred percent, but it's like, is that something you'd be okay with? That's a tone of asking, right? So anyways, I, I challenged my group to make calls this week and to report back in, in our, in our group chat. And I want to know, not only that, we have people that knock on doors and do stuff too. Like before our, like our open house process, they door knock and they have flyers they are inviting everybody to come by the open house because they want to meet everybody that's around the house. You never know what kind of sellers are in those pockets, right? 100%. Yeah. Some agents said to me, I don't want to do an open house. It's just the nosy neighbors. I'm like, what a better way to meet the neighbors. You got a point there. That is absolutely <laughs> true, right? Yeah. Now, here, two two things here. Yeah. I, 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 I take a different approach. Like everyone says, go for yeses, right? Yeah. And go. I used to be that way too. Yeah. And now I'm experimenting and I'm yeah. going for the no's. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, like, I, I tend to follow uh, the former FBI negotiator, Chris yeah. Voss. Chris Voss, yeah. Right? And he's uh, all about the no, right? Yeah. Like, And I love that, he's right? Because it brings up the point that if you're going for a yes, there's nothing else to figure out. But you've already got the answer. Waiting yeah. for okay, why is this guy asking me? What does he want? Yeah. Their guard is still up. Yeah. yeah. But when you go for no, yeah. no is a defense word. That's right. Right? Yeah. So when you're getting to go no, they're like, okay, no. Yeah. No. And then yeah. they're not even paying attention anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but when they give you no's, you're gonna get more information out of them if you're asking the proper questions, right? And no, there there was a Harvard study at a book called Getting to Yes. I read it years ago. I own it. And, and after I did Voss's course and read his book, uh, Never Split the Difference, I was like, hmm, this is an interesting take on things. And it actually works very well, right? You want to get to know. Because when you get to yes, there's nothing else to talk about, right? Yeah, it's game over. It's game over. So no, the more no's you get, the more intel, the more pain you can identify. And it's all about gathering intelligence about the client, right? 100%. And yeah. that's the other part of things, right? Like successful people aren't any better than anybody else when it comes to failure. The yeah. difference is they keep going. They yeah. look at a failure as something that they learned from, yeah. not the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's like every time I fail and I'm not perfect, I fail. I do a postmortem on it. What happened and how I could be better. I ask for feedback. Like any agent that goes into a listing where they don't know the seller they will go in and not get the, the listing. What do you do when you don't get a listing? Do you just say, ah, oh, I didn't hang my head. I didn't get it. They went with somebody else. No, because if you keep doing that, you're not learning from your, your failure. I would be calling up the seller and asking why. Maybe it was out of your control. Maybe they already had somebody they were going to go with and you were just a, a pawn to compare to that other person that came in then there was nothing you could have done about that. But maybe your presentation wasn't as strong or maybe the other person offered staging for free and you didn't. Maybe the commission rate was different. It's great to know that information so you can arm yourself the next time you go in, right? You got it. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Now we all have to learn this. And in the beginning, I remember I would lose a listing and it always starts the same way. Son of a bitch, mother, you know, whatever the rest of the sentence, yeah. right? Um, now what I do is allow myself five to 10 seconds, you know, just to bang the table and uh, get my <laughs> anger out. And then at that point in time, I said, okay, yeah. now I'm done with the blaming. Yeah. And le now let's look back at it and say, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And what could I have done better? Yeah. Yeah. I think, 
I learned this a long time ago in the business. Um, I had a friend of mine I grew up with who told me straight up that he wanted me to help him sell. I later found out when he told me that he had already sold and bought. Okay. And this is a guy that I, you know, and I was new in the business. And this is for all the newer agents who don't have a lot going on uh, that rely on their sphere to do deals, which you shouldn't rely on it because it'll create a sophomore jinx for you the next year if that's your only bucket of income. But I was really upset. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, how, how could he do that to me? You know, we've been friends since we were 12 and this that, and the other. And he just, you know, I felt like, you know, he stabbed me in the back. That was the last time I ever felt that way, right? I, and I never took any of this personally. It's like, people are going to make their decisions and I'm going to go in. And as long as I do my best, I, and I know I did, there's nothing I can get upset about. I'm not going to get them all. Listen, I have a massive network. And if everybody I know bought and sold real estate with me, I would have been retired 10 years ago. And I hear it all the time. Where people are like, yeah, I went and bought a house and somebody I know. Like, I can't be like, well, why didn't you use me? Like, I, I just, that's great. That's amazing. I'm so happy you bought a house. Actually, I had somebody I was working with a few years ago uh, call me and we were out seeing houses and they ended up buying something in the East End. And they called to tell me they bought something in the East End. And they were like, you're not upset with us, are you? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm just happy you're taken care of. And they were like, Wow. I can't believe you're acting this way. I'm like, well, how would you, how am I supposed to act, yeah. right? Like at that point, there's nothing as an agent you can do, right? Getting upset's not going to help the. So what they ended up doing was they said, well, you know what? We really appreciate your professionalism. Moving forward, anybody we know that wants to buy out in the West End, we're going to refer to you. Okay, great. This year, no, last year they called me. I ended up selling the house they bought in the West or in the East. And I just sold them a house in the West. And they called me up and they're like, we want to move to Oakville to get closer to their family. I said, no problem. Do you still want to work with us after what happened? I'm like, absolutely. Like, why wouldn't I? I? Ended up doing two deals, like big deals. So take the high road, you know, like you said, you know, breathe five to 10 seconds, smack a table, do whatever you need to do to get the anger out. Uh, other than that, when you talk to them, just take the high road. You will be better off for it in the future. I guarantee it. it yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you a live example of something that happened. Okay. And it's a friend of mine. And, uh, like, I remember, right, we were talking about all about stuff, right? And then he's like, oh, you got to come over and see me, uh, my backyard. I just redid my backyard. So um, I, I listened to him and I, and I said, you son of a bitch. Yeah. He goes, what? He goes, you did your backyard? He goes, yeah, and I'm very proud of it. I go, yeah, but I was hoping you were going to sell it. I was looking for a commission. Oh. I made a joke out of it, right? The guy oh. started laughing. <laughs> I go, so now instead, I go, so since I can't sell your house this year, I go, you're, uh, you're going to renew your mortgage with me because I got my mortgage license too, right? Oh, so right. I go, so now you're, I'm getting your mortgage <laughs> renewal, right? We made a joke out of it, laughed our heads off. Yeah. Guess what? I uh, Now we got a, a time we're going to meet. Not yeah. for the mortgage. We're meeting the hangout, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? He's my biggest pusher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've had, I would say a minimum, and this is a bad year. I've had five or six people call me, you know, yeah. from that guy saying, hey, so-and-so gave me your number. And because uh, I was thinking about, and uh, they said I should talk to you. Had I, you know, been uh, like, like I said, if I take everything personal, that wouldn't have happened. But if you turn it into a joke, they laughed their heads off. 
Yeah, you position the way you positioned that was awesome for for the you know it was kept at light and you know the thing you're meeting with him right so yeah. I like this not only is our business about prospecting but it's about conversations so at the end of every day you know you should have a goal on how many conversations you want to have about real estate or just with people in general because if you you're an agent they know what you do. Everybody knows what you do. Every time I pick up the phone and I call somebody, I'm more interested in about what they're doing, what their kids are doing, if they're going on any trips, whatever. And at the end of the conversation, they're always like, how's the real estate business going? And I always say, it depends. Don't ever say, oh, it's going great. I'm so busy. Bullshit, right? You mm -hmm. always say, it depends. Are you looking to buy, sell, or invest? And nine times out of 10, They'll talk about one three one of those three things. The other thing I always tell people to do is make sure you have a minimum of three face-to-faces per week. Per week, you're meeting with people three times face-to-face. -face. I'm meeting with you today. This is my ninth face-to-face -face meeting this week. Like, yeah, wow. when do I sleep? Yeah, but I set them up. This afternoon, I've got a face. I'm actually playing golf for the first time this year at one o'clock nice. with three other guys. There's five hours face to face. Um, I play at a club in, in uh, Milton at Rattlesnake and three days a week, I play nine holes as a single. Why? So I can be interactive with three other people for two hours, right? And usually by the third or fourth hole, they ask me what I do and how am I able to be there with these older folk? Um, and I'm like, I sell real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Right. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what you said. It's about relationships, right? People buy from people they know, like, and trust. Yeah. And when it's a product that is going to take somebody 20 years to pay, yeah. that's a lot of money leaving their account day in, day out 100%. for 20 years. Yeah. You better damn well believe they got to feel comfortable for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it's kind of funny because I, I, like I said before, I test and measure a lot of stuff. I think, the last four years, COVID was a bit of a blur. Not, I'm not including like 2021 or 2020. No, 2020. My relationships with the people I've met playing golf at my course mm -hmm. has paid my annual dues every year. Boom. <laughs> there you go, right? You, you yeah. It. So everyone's like, oh, you play so much golf. No, I'm working, man. I'm, I, every t I am playing golf, but I'm working. I'm, you know, and I, I listen, a couple days a week, I'll play 18 with my buddies, but the, the two days I'm not playing with, the two days I play with them are 18. The other three days, I live 10 minutes from the golf course. I show up and I play nine holes with three other people and I have great conversations. So the, the, the realtor who has the most conversations wins. And, you know, if you go to bed every day, how many conversations did you have? You have zero. That's not a great day. Yeah, that's a mic drop moment right there. That's it. <laughs> Podcast is over. We're done. That was it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I can mic drop on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, with that being said, I mean, in light of time, I'm going to get into the last couple before uh, we wrap it up with a lightning round. Yeah, sure. Um, so, second last question is going to be... Um, for a new and upcoming agent yeah. that uh, is interested in the business because, you know, let's be honest, the market has changed. A lot of people think the market's gone to crap. And I think we've gotten closer to what was normal. We just got used to madness yeah. that we didn't know what normal was. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, somebody who's thinking about entering the uh, business isn't sure or isn't sure where to start. What would your recommendation be? Oh, that's a great question. So um, 
basically, like I said before, you even if you're not licensed yet, you should be having as many conversations with as many people that you know, like, and trust, that know, like, and trust you. Uh, you know, the old Brian Buffini uh, handle. Oh, by the way, if you're looking to buy or sell, I'd be honored to interview for the business or if you know anybody, always ask for referrals. A lot of people, they have a real issue asking for referrals. Um, but when somebody that knows, likes, and trusts you, it should be pretty easy to ask them, right? It's yeah. your job. It's your business. You're trying to feed your family, yourself, whatever. Um, the other thing too is if you are in the business and you join a group or a team, well, you can utilize that team as leverage because someone might look to you and say, well, why would I work with you? You're brand new in the business. I am brand new, but I'm, I have a support of X, Y, Z, right? So not only do you get access to me, you get access to everybody around me, right? So, because a lot of new agents are, they struggle with like, well, I'm new. Like, I don't know where to start. Listen, I was new too. I had 15 deals in my first year and you got to just go out and you got to want it right? Want is a big word. You should write it on your board every day and look at it. I want this. I don't have it. I want it, right? It's a big difference. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. And then, you know what? Um, training and, and, and educating yourself and paying attention, get a mentor. They're huge. Um, I'm a certified mentor with our company. Um, I mentor a lot of agents. I mentor agents in our group, just mentor people and distribute value to them and help them, right? There's a lot of people out there that are claiming that are that are mentors uh, I see it on social media there's you know and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this but I don't care but there's a lot of people that don't even shave yet that have done two deals and read two books and they're you know broadcasting themselves as real estate experts and or life it, coaches or life coaches right and it's funny because there is an actual coach in our industry he's not a realtor but he's a coach um, he's a, he's a really good guy. I know him really well. And he and I have had some really good chats about this and it just, you know, these people are just tarnishing guys like that who are like legit coaches. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's uh, I, I say the, the, the going trend is I can't sell any real estate. So I'm going to coach people to do what I can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Or in my business, my model, I can't sell any real estate. So I'm just going to try to recruit as many people and have them make me money and not distribute any value to them. How do you how do you have a collaboration group when you can't even mentor people? Yeah. Right? I Your retention it. is gonna be very low. They're gonna leave. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. I agree with you. I mean, yeah. well put there. Yeah, thanks. So with that being said, now I'm gonna ask you the uh, la second last question, then we'll go into the lightning round. Okay. So second last question, one of my favorite ones, how do you know you've had a successful day? Conversations, yeah. Conversations. The most conversations I've ever had in a day. Oh man, I don't even know what that is. But meetings, face to face, um, you know, helping people with deals, uh, getting you know a problem solved. Like somebody's in a pickle with a deal, they don't know how to handle it. Me solving that problem, and on my own personal side, just like doing my own deals and helping people. Like I work with a lot of older people to downsize either from their house to the condo or the condo to the retirement. Um, I was on my way here this morning. I got a text from one of my clients. She's 73. She's going from a condo into a retirement home. And she sent me the sweetest message. And it just that my day's done. I'm fulfilled. Like, I really appreciate everything you did to help me sell my place, blah, blah, blah. It was amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that happened at 930 this morning. 
Well, there you go. You've heard it. Another yeah. mic dropper. <laughs> see, there we go. We're, we're done. That's it, guys. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, <laughs> I'm fulfilled. I'm fulfilled. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, final question before the lightning round yeah. is going to be: If people want to reach out to you, where do they go to find you? So it's pretty simple. Um, I have uh, my social media company I use for YouTube and all my channels. Um, they, uh, they, my handle is at Real Will Mansour. It's for LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Everything is at Real Will Mansour. Yeah. That is wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. what a great uh, show. Yeah. Thanks, so, buddy. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So let's get into the lightning round. I'm okay. excuse you about three or four questions. Okay. Question number one. Yeah. And I got a feeling I know the answer because you kind of hinted at it earlier. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what I, my, I like steak a lot too, but pizza is probably my favorite food. <laughs> yeah, I, I, originally I, I thought you were going to say ribeye because you mentioned ribeye, but then I remember you said pizza was your weakness. And yeah, kryptonite like, mm, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. love that one. Yeah. Second thing is going to be favorite vacation spot and why? Uh, well, I have a lot of different vacation spots I like, but uh, a couple years back, my wife and I bought a bungalow in Florida. And it's a vacation property. It's an Airbnb, a verbal property, but um, it's our house. And, uh, you know, we last year, crazy, I spent 55 nights there last year, nice. which is, yeah. Well, well, I mean, 10 of them were because of Hurricane Ian. <laughs> we're north of Fort Myers, so we're right, in a great right. area. And uh, it's, it's, we're going uh, in May and we go every July for two weeks because my wife teaches and she gets off for the summer. So we go as a family and, we just love it there. So Florida, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in Florida as well. May third is May second or third. One of those I'm going to be in there. Oh, That's nice. When I get there, and I'm gone there mid-May. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to be uh, staying in Naples. I land in Fort Lauderdale, then I'm going to be staying in Naples. So you're landing in Fort Lauderdale and driving across the straight the state. It's like three hours. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Naples is an hour and a half south of me. I'll be there at the same time. I get there the seventh. I leave the fourteenth. I think thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 You know what? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll reach Drive out up, to you. We'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll come by. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Second last question is going to be favorite book or podcast. Favorite book or podcast. So my favorite book is the Five A.M. Club by Robin Sharma. Gotcha. I've read it many times. The way it's written is amazing. It's almost written like a fiction book but it's nonfiction messaging. It's, it's brilliant. Um, and for those that want to get into like a morning routine and find somewhere to start, that book is awesome for that. Um, I love the Joe Rogan podcast. I could go on and say that, you know, a real estate podcast or whatever, uh, my own sold school, but <laughs> I, uh, uh, I love the Joe Rogan podcast. I love the controversy and he just doesn't give a poop about anything. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of like me. I kind of just say what I want to say. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, last but not least, yeah. if you had unlimited amount of money yeah. and you had 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep. What is not spent gets taken away. What would you do? Uh, well, uh, this one's easy. Um, my daughter is a type 1 diabetic. So I would put that money towards finding a cure for type one diabetes. That is an awesome answer, right? Yeah. And 
I usually ask it that way because if I say, if I gave you a million dollars, what would you do? Everyone's like, oh, I'd pay off my mortgage, I'd buy her. And the reality is that's not really their desires because people look at a million dollars as limited. Right. right. And when they have a limited resource, yeah. they have a limited answer. Yeah. And it's not really well thought out. Yeah. But if you take it and you take out the limit from the question, yeah. you get somebody's real passion and desire. Yeah. Like, you know, there's no cure for it. Or maybe there is, but the drug companies make too much money. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. You know what? We'll save the conspiracy for the next show. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> that's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's been, it has been phenomenal. I want to yeah. say thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Happy to be here. If you like what you saw and you want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.